Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and not as always, I have a, um, well, I have a shaved face today. Uh, listen, it's, I was, yesterday, wanted to trim my beard a little bit, made a little air, so I'm like, you know what, let's just get rid of all of it, grow it from scratch. But uh, yes, new look today for Carving Up Live, new location, I happen to be uh, in Disney World. Uh, but nonetheless, the show is not live. Nonetheless, though, we've got a great show on tap for you guys tonight. About to get into the Brandon Staley firing by the Los Angeles Chargers. Also going to detail Dray my reaction to Draymond Green's indefinite suspension by the NBA. I think we were all kind of speculating, is it going to be 10 games, 15? Some even suggested as many as 25 games. Now, it's kind of a question mark as to how long it's going to be. I'll discuss that and what it means for Draymond, how the and how the NBA and Adam Silver really uh, ultimately came to uh, to this decision, to this final call. And then, of course, get into Week 14 NFL predictions, including my upset of the week if I were a betting man and Bryson's bleak bet. Very excited to get into all the topics for today. But first, uh, the inevitable has come to pass. The question is to whether or not it would be in-season or postseason, and it happened to be in-season for the Los Angeles Chargers firing their head coach, Brandon Staley, following a, this is hard to believe, a 63-21 to loss to the division rival Las Vegas Raiders on national television on Amazon Prime. And keep in mind, this is a Vegas Raiders team that had not scored more than 20 in 11 of their first 13 games. They drop a 60-burger before we even get into the fourth quarter. So listen, the, the fact of the matter is this was the firing that needed to happen as soon as last year. Um, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars coming back from a 27-0 deficit on these Chargers, on this coach, Brandon Staley, just a week after he'd made the inexplicable decision to play uh, multiple starters in a game that meant nothing for the Chargers in weeks, uh, Week 18, such as Mike Williams, who missed that very pivotal playoff game against Jacksonville. Look, it had to be done. As far as the numbers are concerned, Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. And one thing that we know is a general rule for coaches. Uh, I, this is why I think Robert Sala's done a really good job with the Jets. I, I'm hearing rumblings, hey, Sala might be gone. I think that'd be crazy because bare minimum for Robert Sala on his side of the ball, Jets are good defensively. Jets are one of the better teams in the NFL defensively. Um, that cannot be said about the Los Angeles Chargers because they hire Brandon Staley going into the 2021 season, and they rank 20th in that span since 2021, 20th in pass yards per game allowed. This is the Chargers' defense, 20th in pass yards per game allowed. That's their best defensive stat. I'll go further. Second-worst run defense in the NFL, fourth-worst points per game given up, and fifth-most yards per game given up. Up. So they can't stop the pass, can't stop the run, can't stop teams from scoring points on them. And again, their head coach is a defensive guy. Now, I don't want to be – anytime a head coach gets fired, it's obviously a very sensitive topic because of the simple fact that these are human beings. Brandon Staley had to go home, uh, I would imagine, to his family and, and tell them that he had been relieved of his duties today. And it sucks, especially given how last night's game played out. So for Brandon Staley, the human being, for any coach that loses his or her job, I feel bad for that person. But from a business standpoint, from a football standpoint, it had to happen. There's no question about it. And it, it's it's compounded upon because the fact that the Chargers could have hired Sean Payton. Sean Payton, according to – I remember he hearing Terry Bradshaw say weeks ago, yeah, Sean Payton, who, who worked uh, with Fox in Los Angeles, wanted to go to the Chargers, wanted to coach Justin Herbert. And for, for an offensive guru like Sean Payton, would a guy like Justin Herbert not be just a dream for a coach like him? I mean, he turned – Drew Brees, whose career looked to be all but over after the shoulder injuries, helped turn Drew Brees into a first ballot Hall of Famer and breaking a bunch of records. So who knows what he could have done with Justin Herbert. You see now what he's doing with Russell Wilson. But the Chargers ownership, the Spanos family, a little cheap, 
not big risk takers. And this is what you get. As the old saying in life goes, you get what you pay for. And you think about the last three seasons. The last game of every of, of, of Brandon Staley's three, really more than more like two and a half, the last game of every season Brandon Staley has coached for the Chargers have all been abject disasters. The end of 2021, his rookie year as a head coach. They were playing a playoff game against the Las Vegas Raiders. So ironically, his coaching career ends in Vegas, which is where that game is played against these division rival Raiders, albeit different coaching staff, different players. But you follow me here. 2021, last game of the season, his quarterback, Justin Herbert's playing out of his mind, converting fourth down after fourth down, threw a touchdown pass to send the game to overtime on the last play, play of regulation. It was a wild, wild football game. The stakes of that game were simply this. If the Chargers won, they'd be in the playoffs. If the Raiders won, they would be in the playoffs. However, if in the rare instance there were a tie, both team, the both teams would have made the playoffs. Well, the game was tied with one minute to go in overtime. And if that minute had passed, Chargers in the playoffs, Raiders in the playoffs, everybody goes home happy. Raiders had the ball, and they say, you know what? We get in the playoffs anyway. Let's just bleed the clock out. Let's, let's, not, let's not waste anything. Let's not try and be too, too aggressive and, and blow our chances of getting in. What does Brandon Staley do as the Raiders, admittedly after the game, we're trying to run the clock out? Calls timeout. And the Raiders are like, okay, let's just go over the win. What the heck? We can make the playoffs either way. Let's knock our division rival out of the playoffs. And that's exactly what they did on a Daniel Carlson field goal to send the Raiders in the playoffs and send the Chargers home. Inexplicable coaching error. Last season, up 27 to nothing against a Jacksonville Jaguars team with a quarterback who I love and Trevor Lawrence, who threw not one, not two, not three, but four first-half interceptions. He was a disaster. And the Chargers somehow managed to lose that game in large part because of their inability to, to call plays, to run the football with Austin Eckler and with their other backs, to bleed clock. I mean, at that point, listen, you're not playing the Jaguars when you got that kind of lead like that, especially when their quarterback, hurt, I'm sorry, Lawrence, is struggling. Bleed the clock out. They did not do that. Inexplicable coaching error, which I said I thought he should have lost his job the day after. And then last night, yes, I get Justin Herbert is out. Yes, I get you're an underdog. Listen, the Chargers, nobody would have criticized the Chargers if they lost by, say what I predicted the score to be. I picked the Raiders to win 20-13. to 13. I thought it'd be a little bit of a defensive struggle, but I said the Raiders, albeit they got shut out just five days ago, okay, by the Minnesota Vikings. I said, you know what? The Chargers have a terrible pass defense, as I just detailed a few minutes ago. They'll make enough plays. Devontae Adams, they'll make enough plays to win this game. And it's 21 nothing before the first quarter even has time to conclude. That's coaching. That's not having your team ready to play. And he had to go. Now, it is not, at the time of this recording, I'm recording around 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time. It has not been announced. I'm checking my Twitter feed right now. It has not been announced as to whether um, who the interim head coach is going to be. It looks like it's going to be Kellen Moore, former offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, about to be former offensive coordinator of the Chargers, now about to be, in all likelihood, the interim head coach. Obviously, the test the waters, you see how that works. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this had to happen. Uh, I have been a Kellen Moore critic for years now. I think he is not near as creative as he often gets credit for. I think Dak Prescott's success with Dallas was in large part in spite of Kellen Moore rather than because of it. And I think we're seeing that with what Dak is doing with Mike McCarthy calling plays. Uh, this had to happen. At least the Chargers made it at some point. The inevitable was going to occur. It was about whether or not it was going to be in season or after the season ended in week 18. And it happened in season and uh, in Pretty embarrassing fashion. Again, final score, Raiders 63, Chargers 21. It was, it tripled him up. They tripled him up, literally. It's bad. And by the way, Easton Stick, he did throw three touchdowns, but a couple of those were in garbage time. And 
Chargers had multiple turnovers. It was just a disastrous night from start to finish. I mean, I, I like Aiden O'Connell. I like some of the things he brings to the table. I think he has a potential to be a solid, good backup in the NFL, and that's not a shock because, I, you know, listen, you're, you're backup long time in the NFL. Brian Hoyer's made a lot of money, okay? I think Aiden O'Connell can be like a more mobile Brian Hoyer, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Brian Hoyer's took teams to the playoffs before. Um, but Aiden O'Connell is not good enough to have a pass rating of 120, with all due respect. That is coaching. That And, again, you have Khalil Mack. You have Derwin James. You have some star players on the defensive side of the ball. It's one thing if the offense isn't working. You can put that on Kellen Moore. You can put that far more on Kellen than you can put that on Brandon. But if you're Brandon Staley, your defense has to be good. And it's not. It's not. I mean, if, if you are coaching one side of the ball, that side of the ball needs to be good. That's like if Mike McCarthy were calling the plays in Dallas and the offense was terrible. That's on McCarthy. It's just as simple as that. So, yes, I am... So yeah, this the firing did not surprise me. Again, I am not. It is weird to come on this show. I, I I can probably count on my hand the number of carving it up episodes, uh, YouTube episodes that I've done with a shaved face. I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest with you. It's it's, it's again a an error on my part <laughs> when I was a. Uh, uh, trying to you know trim my beard yesterday and it just didn't work out so I'm like you know what I just I gotta, I gotta get rid of, all, rid of all of it and then grow it out sooner rather than later but yes I am um I am at Disney World but I, I I'm not gonna miss the show in the middle of football season Are you kidding nah heck no especially going into week 15 my NFL predictions uh in about 10 to 15 minutes a little bit of a shorter show but nonetheless a lot to talk about I do want to shift to the NBA now and you guys know or at least longtime listeners and viewers of carving up live know that I am a lifelong diehard. And when I say diehard, I mean I am just living and dying every single dribble of every single game of the Golden State Warriors. And they have been in the news. One player in particular, Draymond Green, has been in the news over the past uh, 72 hours. Uh, Draymond Green, after the incident, and we will play it for you one more time here. We've got the footage from a Wednesday show. He uh, basically punched Yusuf Nurkic in the face uh, recklessly, unprovoked, and, uh, and Draymond, it has been announced a couple of days ago, has been suspended indefinitely by the National Basketball Association, by Adam Silver, and by Joe Dumars in the league office. So Draymond suspended indefinitely. We'll show this to you one more time. There it is. Sock Yusuf Nurkic. So, listen, this, it's, I think this is a prime example. I'll, get to, I'll start with the league office, start with Silver, and then I'll move to Draymond. I think this is a prime example of Adam Silver getting it right of having a pulse on where the league is at, having a pulse of where his players are at, and this is where he's at his best uh, oftentimes. Some I've seen react to this as kind of like a cop-out, to say that, hey, you, you, don't want to, you don't want the pressure of having to put a certain amount of games in him. I see it as the opposite, and this is where it transitioned to Draymond. I see it as an opportunity to say, hey, we're not going to put a single game limit on this. Because it's like if somebody said, I'm going to go to therapy for a couple of weeks. Well, is it going to take a couple weeks for the therapy to really kick in and to make an impact and make a difference? I don't know. Every person's different. Every person's journey in that regard is different. The same can be said about Draymond Green, just like any other human being on the planet. I think this is Adam Silver sitting up there and saying, in the last 15 months, he's punched a teammate, he stopped on a guy, he strangled a guy, and he's, and he's punched another guy who didn't play for his team, obviously. 
There's been a series of events. There's been a series of incidents regarding Draymond, whether it be teammates, whether it be players he has beef with, like Rudy Gobert, or a mini beef with DeMontis Sponis, and then a guy he seemingly has no beef with at all. You saw the, the remorse, or seemingly the remorse Draymond had in the postgame presser with Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic even said later after that he almost felt bad for Draymond Green. He hopes he gets the help that he needs. Um, the suspension is warranted. The suspension is deserved. And... Here's the issue that I have with the Draymond Green coverage, because the fact of the matter is, yes, he is a villain. That goes without saying. He is the enforcer for the Golden State Warriors. He is the glue guy and has been for this this, this entirety of this dynasty, uh, while it admittedly as a Warriors fan seems to be kind of faltering a little bit, and that's putting it mildly. I think this notion that the last 15 months, starting with the incident with Jordan Poole all the way to now with Yusuf Nurkic, I don't like how people are twisting that into saying that's who he's been his whole career. It's a history of dirty plays. It's a history of this and that. You're like, Bryson, what are you talking about? Draymond Green's, if you wanted to look at the truly dirty plays or like the legitimate incidents, like borderline fights that he's had with players, you can probably count on your hand in the last, this is Draymond Green's 12th year in the NBA. You can probably before year 11 count three, four occasions in the first decade, and then four occasions in the last two years. I mean, we know the incident with Steven Adams. The incident with LeBron was completely overblown, and I love LeBron James. That's my guy. Um, he should not have been suspended for game five of that series. If LeBron initiated it, Draymond reacted. That's another conversation for another show. But this has overwhelmingly not been who Draymond Green, Draymond Green has been. As far as just getting into altercations with guys constantly, it's more been a get in people's heads. Obviously, we know the trash talk. Being physical, there's no doubt about it, but rarely crossing the lines, at least to the extent that we've seen him do recently. And if there's anything Draymond Green has prided himself on, it's being a great teammate. It's being the, the, the guts and the energy of the Golden State Warriors for a team that doesn't really have that many vocal leaders. Steph is a leader, but it's more of a lead-by-example guy. Clay's not a leader at all. There's nothing wrong with that. He doesn't have to be in Golden State. Steve Kerr is, but really any good coach is, so that's kind of a bare minimum for a head coach. Andre Guadal is gone. Kevin Durant is gone. Uh, Sean Livingston's gone. The, the vets that were there in Golden State for the, the, the start of the dynasty, at least the first half of the dynasty, those guys are gone now. And so Draymond's leadership role has only elevated. And in the last couple of years, he simply put, and I talked about this on Wednesday's show, as the biggest Draymond Green fan on the planet, he simply has not lived up to the billing in that regard. I think that's completely fair to say. And... Listen, this is a guy who, again, prides himself on being a great teammate, prides himself on being great defensively, getting guys in and out of sets offensively. This is something that has not been the case for the last couple of years. And I hear, oh, it's because of diminished skills. Is it? Is, he, is Draymond Green the Draymond Green he was five years ago? No, not in terms of if you look at the numbers, but the impact is still there. Golden State, in the games that he has been suspended for, or gotten ejected in. That's nine in total if you include the loss to the Clippers last night. They're three and six. You look at a team that's four games under 500, well, three and six, you know, you don't think that matters? You don't think if Draymond's not suspended for or, or gets into any altercations for a single game, single one of those nine games, that they're maybe not middle of the pack in the Western Conference? Keep in mind, Golden State, small sample size, I know. Golden State did start six and two to start this season. Like they were up there with the Denvers of the world, the Lakers of the world, your Minnesota who's playing well in Oklahoma City. They played down to the wire with Oklahoma City. 
Like, that's kind of been the frustrating thing as a Warriors fan. It's like, it's not like we're getting just smoked. It's not like we're getting blown out. We are, in some cases, blowing leads. We are struggling in the fourth quarter in games like last night against the Clippers, a uh, game a couple weeks ago against the Clippers, multiple games against Oklahoma City. That has been a problem. And if Draymond Green's there, does that change? I have no reason to believe, given his history with this basketball team, and even this season, that that would not be the case. So, yes, I think Adam Silver as he so often does, handled this about as well as he possibly could have in terms of let Draymond Green work on Draymond Green, the man, not the basketball player. Because the basketball player is always going to be productive. I shouldn't say always. He has been productive for a very long time, and we have no reason to believe that when Draymond comes back, that's not going to be the case. And when Draymond comes back, I want him to still be the emotional leader. I won't have a problem with him picking up the occasional technical foul, um, getting in other guys' heads. But it's incidents like Tuesday that simply can't happen. And we've seen it happen multiple times with Demonis Sabonis, with Rudy Gobert, which the Gobert thing I defend in it to a certain degree because he was defending a teammate. The Sabonis thing, he was not. The Jordan Poole thing, after hearing what some of my sources in the Bay Area say, I get why it came to that climax. But again, you don't, you don't just punch a teammate in practice. You know, we glorify Michael Jordan for doing it. We hate Draymond Green for doing it. But that's another conversation for another show. He can still be the enforcer without being dirty. It is possible to do both. And so I don't like that Draymond's character as a man has been put into consideration. And even his history, we're doing this like revisionist history. This is who he's always been. Not really. The Steven Adams incident, sure. The I know he had one incident with Anthony Davis, I think, in the playoff game about five, six years ago. But overwhelmingly, the incidents we're seeing the last 15 months, those were few and far between the first decade. They've come with greater regularity, not because of dimin diminishment of skills, but maybe because of factors that we're not aware of, which is why I think you see a heightened level of sensitivity But by guys like Kevin Durant, a former teammate, by the guy he punched, Yusuf Nurkic, because they're, they recognize there's probably something going on with this guy, whether it's a mental thing, whether it's something in his personal life, that, that that's obviously none of our business. That's something that has to be addressed and dealt with. And uh, I think Adam Silver made the right decision here. Hopefully Draymond addresses what he needs to address, not just this season, not even just in his career, but long-term in his life. Steve Kerr sort of alluded to that yesterday in the pregame presser. Um, pulling for Draymond Green, I understand why many out there don't like him. I do. I completely get it. He is a villain. He is the enforcer. He is not close to as likable Steph and as Clay, but he's really not supposed to be because that's not his role on the team. That's not been his role in the dynasty, of which would not exist. If he were not there, I have said that for years. Steph is obviously the most important player of the dynasty. And I say Draymond's second because of his defensive presence. Um, I mean, I think he should have won three straight defensive player of the year awards from 2015 to 2017. But nonetheless, he was a finalist for both or for, for two of those and then won one of them. So uh hope he addressed what he needed to address. I'm pulling for Draymond the man. Obviously, as a Warriors fan, I'm pulling for Draymond the basketball player. And uh, hopefully he's in a better spot when he comes back um, than, in, that, than he's in right now. So I agree with the decision by the NBA and I'm pulling for Draymond Green. That's that that's all there is to it for sure. Again, recording recording today so again, obviously because today's show is not live as I often say, although I don't anticipate we'll have any I think we've kind of already had our breaking news for the day with the Brandon Staley firing around noon Eastern. But as I say, every show that is not live, if something has happened in the world of sports, uh, in between the time that I'm recording this show and that you're seeing it, I'm aware of it, just not the time you're watching me. And, of course, I wish I could answer y'all's comments if there is any on YouTube and on Twitter. 
But uh, unfortunately, that is not an option with me not doing the show live. But again, li or not live here, here in Disney World in general. And uh, so the Brand Staley topic, the Draymond Green topic, let's not mess around here. Let's go and get in our NFL picks for the week. And we've got 14. Uh, well, there's some outliers in here. There's some. There's a couple of duds. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not going to act like every game's great. But uh, in general, there's some pretty good matchups uh, for the NFL this weekend. On Saturday, tomorrow, we've got a triple header on the NFL Network. And on Sunday, so here we go, week 15 NFL predictions, starting with the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati at home is a three-point favorite. So for Minnesota, they have gone through quarterback turmoil, and that is putting it mildly. Kirk Cousins tore his ACL. Uh, when the Vikings seemed to be kind of turning their season around, they were 4-4. Kirk was having one of the best, if not the best, season of his career. He goes down. He's done for the season. So here comes Joshua Dobbs, from the, my guy Joshua Dobbs, from the Arizona Cardinals. He wins them a couple games, plays well in those two games, and then against Denver, he struggled at times. Uh, he was terrible against the Bears, terrible against the Raiders, and my man Space Dobbs has unfortunately been demoted to the third-string quarterback, uh, and now appears that the Vikings are going to start uh, Nick Mullins, who's been a career backup quarterback, uh, on Saturday tomorrow against Cincinnati, who's starting their own backup quarterback in Jake Browning, who, if you're watching what Browning's been doing over the last couple games in this little two-game winning streak by Cincinnati against the Jaguars, Browning a passer rating of 115, and against, against the Colts in a blowout win for Cincinnati, a passer rating of 122. We have to remember, listen... He's Joe Burrow's backup for a reason. He's he's similar in some ways stylistically to the starter, which is what you want out of your backup. But you got guys like Jamar Chase there. You got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. So it's weapons galore in Cincinnati, and I think a, a solid coach, albeit not a great one, in Zach Taylor. So Bengals are favored minus three. Uh, I really like Minnesota's defense. You saw they they held Vegas scoreless on Sunday, and then Vegas went out and scored sixty against the Chargers. Big contrast in in those defenses, in particular those defensive coaching staffs. But I'll go with Cincinnati to win this game 24-16 to over the Minnesota Vikings. They will cover uh, the three-point spread there. Cincinnati stays right in the midst of the playoff hunt. We thought they were dead in the water once Joe Burrow went down. But Cincinnati wins this game tomorrow 24-16. to Time now for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I'd be lying to you if I told you that this has been a fun two-game stretch for my, my Steelers. A loss to a 2-10 Cardinals team. Kind of in blowout fashion if you really look at it. And then a loss to a 2-10 seemingly offensive inept, uh, offensively inept New England Patriots team who also happened to be 2-10. That has never happened in the history of the NFL. A loss in back-to-back uh, -back games to win the two teams with a record eight games below 500. But nonetheless, that's what my Steelers were able to pull off. But my Steelers go on the road to Indianapolis. The Colts are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Both teams at 7-6 and six, right in the hot of a very, and I do mean very crowded, wildcard picture in the AFC. So look, here's what I'm looking at. Mike Tomlin is not a good coach as a favorite. He's a darn good coach as an underdog. It's kind of like he's much better as the hunter as opposed to the hunted. I still think there's some massive offensive issues in Pittsburgh from a from a schematic standpoint, from a quarterback talent standpoint. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky uh, starting for the second consecutive week for my Steelers. Gardner Minshew coming off of a rough game for the Colts. I think Shane Steichen is an excellent young head coach. I think he has a very bright future and is right in the midst, in my view, of the coach of the year discussion. This was almost Bryce's bleak bet. I'll go with Pittsburgh. 17-16. It's going to be a defensive battle. Typical Steelers game. It's going to be close. Down the wire. The Steelers will be good situationally in the fourth quarter, which they've tended to be under Mike Tomlin since he's been there. I'll go Pittsburgh 
I guess. <laughs> I'm usually pretty confident in my picks. This is not one of them. It is now time for the pick I'm even less confident in. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the one game every week that I have absolutely zero confidence in predicting. But hey, you got to predict them all. Denver Broncos and Detroit Lions. This is about as good as it gets for an NFL Network Saturday night affair. So, Denver, again, we talk about teams in a crowded AFC wildcard picture. Denver's right there at 7-6, and six, uh, tied with multiple teams in that spot. And you look at the Detroit Lions at 9-4, and four, the three seed currently in the NFC. But it's both teams, are tr- these two, two tre- teams are trending in very, very different directions. Broncos start 1-5. and five. They look like they're just going to be uh, bad again, just like they were a year ago. All of a sudden, 7-6. Russell Wilson's playing well. The running game has picked up uh, pretty considerably. And for Detroit... They start looking like they could potentially be the one seed, kind of in the midst, uh, in, in the running for that. All of a sudden, they've lost two of their last three games. Their defense has looked nothing short of incompetent over the last couple of months. Really, really struggling. Uh, gave up last week 28 points to a Bears offense that has been the definition of inconsistent. So, this for me is kind of the last stand. We can call it Dan Campbell's last stand for this season, not in general. He's an excellent, co- uh, excellent coach. Um, this is kind of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions' last stand in terms of whether or not we're going to take them seriously in any regard as a contender in the NFC. Obviously, we know Dallas and San Francisco and Philadelphia are right in the mix of, of that uh, of that race. Detroit's going to win the NFC North. I'm still very confident about that. But if you remember, in the preseason, I picked the Lions to get to the NFC title game. They're facing a hot team, a team that's run the football very effectively. Russell Wilson playing very well. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to squint. I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going to take the Detroit Lions by a walk-off field goal, 27-24 to 24 over the Denver Broncos. I think Broncos plus 4.5 is one of the bets of the week. It wasn't if I were a bet man. That's that's for later on. But listen, I really like what Denver's doing right now. Um, I think they're going to put up points. Uh, 24 points actually is, is, is a lot for Denver because they play a much more conservative brand of offense. But Detroit's past defense has been terrible the last few weeks, so I think Denver's going to take advantage of that. But give me Detroit nonetheless, 27-24 to 24 over the Denver Broncos. Broncos, a divisional matchup as we move to Sunday's games in the AFC East, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins on the road, I'm sorry, Dolphins at home are favored minus nine and a half. So Miami, any shot they had at the one seed may very well have evaporated on Monday night in that loss to Tennessee in which they blew a double digit lead with three minutes to go. So that was a brutal loss for Miami, especially given their schedule. They got to play Baltimore and Dallas and Buffalo. Two of those teams potentially could be the one seed of their conference, and then you look at Buffalo, a very desperate team that's playing pretty good football, more in Buffalo later. As for the Jets, they got a big win last week. Zach Wilson, hey, might have been the best game of his career. 300 yards passing, multiple touchdowns, and the Jets offense for a, you know one of the rare instances this year looked pretty good. Garrett Wilson, the run game, O-line wasn't atrocious. <sighs> Let me put it this way. I think the Miami Dolphins, in part due to the injury to Tyreek Hill and due to, due to the Weird at times lack of commitment to running the football, kind of up and down, especially with the lead. I think they're going to win this game. Go and put up the final score. I think they're going to win this game 25-16, but I will take the Jets plus 9.5. I just don't trust what Miami's doing uh, in games in which they hit a little bit of adversity. I'm not sure that that's something that they can really overcome. So I will take the Dolphins 25-16. to Again, still well on their way, uh, it would seem at least, to winning the AFC East. But uh, the Jets will keep it close for a while. But in the end, give me Miami 25 to 16 over the New York football Jets. It is now the almost set upset of the week. Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans. So Houston, this just came in at the time of this recording. 
when did it come in? About 20 minutes ago, C.J. Stroud has been listed as doubtful by the Texans, and, and Nico Collins, their wide receiver who got hurt last week as well against the Jets, is listed as questionable. So, backup quarterback for Houston. As for Tennessee, Will Levis. He's been inconsistent, but then again, aren't most rookie quarterbacks? I wasn't the biggest Levis guy coming out of Kentucky. I think I thought there were some maturity issues, some recklessness issues, some footwork issues. But from an arm talent perspective, he's about as good as they come coming out of an NFL draft. So I like where Tennessee is in that regard. Big time win, as I just mentioned, against the Miami Dolphins on the road. Tennessee's at home. Their only loss at home was a couple weeks ago, and it happened in overtime to a division rival Colts team. I just think Houston's kind of reeling a little bit. The loss of Stroud is a devastating one. Titans are favored at minus three. So give me Tennessee to win this football game 26 to 13 over the Houston Texans. I like what Tennessee's defense has been doing as of late. They actually played very well against Miami. Dolphins' only touchdowns came on very short field. So I'll take the Titans in the end to double up the Texans 26 to 13 in cover, minus three and a half. It is now time. For the upset of the week, give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Green Bay Packers 23 to 19. And here's why. So I get you, I get you, cheeseheads and Packer fans out there. You know, you're, you're feeling good about yourself despite the loss to Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. You are a three and a half point favorite at home. You're right in the mix of the playoffs. And if the playoffs start today, you, my friends, would be the seven seed. And you have to play the Dallas Cowboys when you get, you get smoked in. But the point is, you'd be in the playoffs. Jordan Love has looked pretty good over the last few weeks. Although on Monday night, on the road, in a game that you were expected to win as a five-and-a-half-point road favorite, a couple turnovers by Jordan Love, not great situation. They couldn't get a stop in the end against, and I like the kid, but Tommy DeVito, this generation's Jeremy Lin, and if we're talking about the NFL, as for Tampa Bay, big-time win last week against the Atlanta Falcons in a big-time divisional matchup in the NFC South to take the lead in what is a three-way tie at 6-7 and seven in the worst division of football. So you got to take that in consideration as well. But Baker, Baker, touchdown maker, pretty good. Now, I've, I've not been the biggest Baker guy over the course of his career. I can't lie about what I'm saying. He's playing really, really good and consistent football. He's been accurate. He's shown an ability to push the ball down the field. Green Bay's corners have struggled. Both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in terms of the Packers' running game are both questionable for this game. So if they play, they'll be beat up. Um, I don't like it. The, the poise I saw from Jordan Love in that three-game winning streak kind of waned a little bit when he saw more pressure from the New York Giants. I think Tampa Bay's going to get that pressure, and I'm going to take the Buccaneers to go into Lambeau and beat the Packers 23-19 to and put Green Bay's playoff hopes in dire straits, and the Buccaneers take over sole place, uh, or maybe not sole, sole first place. We'll see what happens to the games after this. But the Buccaneers will win this game 23-19 and get, retain first place in the NFC South. New York Giants just talked about them beating the Packers. They are going on the road to an NFC South team to the New Orleans Saints. Saints are a big favorite at home. Minus six. So, excuse me. It's a weird thing with the Saints, man. You see the talent they have offensively? I've been a Derek Carr guy for a while now. He's not having the greatest season. I think some of that's due to offensive play calling. But you're seeing expressions, body language by receivers, offensive linemen. There seems to be a real kind of disconnect between Derek Carr and some of the offensive skill position players for the New Orleans Saints. Again, I think a lot of the Saints' issues are due to Dennis Allen. I don't think he's a very good head coach. Excellent defensive coordinator. Not a good head coach. Nothing wrong with that. He'll still get employed by somebody to be their D.C. and should be. He's just not the head guy for the Saints long term. No question about that. Look, Giants are well coached. It's going to be a short week on the road in New Orleans. A lot, you know, big time atmosphere. I think they're going to run the football with Saquon Barkley. I think they're going to get Jalen Hyatt involved in the passing game. This other kid, number 18, I forget his name, was playing very well for the Giants on Monday night against the Packers. But 
I am still not going to sell my Saints stock, at least in the context of them winning the NFC South, which I predicted them to do before the season. So give me the Saints 27-22 to 22 over the Giants. Take the Giants plus six. Six points is a lot for a Saints team that has been the very definition of inconsistent, but I will take the Saints to win this game 27-22 to 22 over the New York football Giants. Upcoming now, again, a lot of NFC South action, is an NFC South battle, Falcons-Panthers, in which... As recently as last night on Ticketmaster, StubHub, one of these ticket websites, you can get into Bank of America Stadium. By the way, nice stadium. I, I, I got to admit, for a couple of quarters, and I'm not kidding, a couple of quarters get you in get, get you in the stadium for a select few seats. I saw seats as cheap as 45 cents. That shows you how bad the Panthers have been. They have been a, a virtual, un- unwatchable product. The offensive line has been the worst in football. Bryce Young has really struggled in large part due to his offensive line, and in large part because of the fact that he is an undersized rookie quarterback. Carolina's defense has put up a fight in some of their games, and I think they will do so uh, at times in this game. I think Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, you know, even that loss for Atlanta, Desmond Ritter probably had his best game of the season. Uh, Atlanta's run the football really effectively with B. John Robinson and others. The offensive line has been playing very well. So I just think Atlanta has a talent advantage. I think Atlanta has a coaching advantage. So I will take them to win this game a 30 to 14 and cover the three-point spread. Three points feels like a, a virtual lock, but give me the Falcons 30 to 14 over the Green Bay Packers. It is now time for my favorite segment every single week. It is simply titled man. If I were a betting man, I'm looking at this Bears Browns matchup. Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns from Cleveland, Ohio. Now, full disclosure, as a Steelers fan, I do not like the Browns whatsoever. I do like, though, what I've seen from Justin Fields the last few games. He's been more consistent. He's been smart with the football. You've seen him use his legs on occasion. And this, to me, is the defining game of Justin Fields' career. And I'm dead serious when I say that. I don't know if the Bears are going to make the playoffs. Matter of fact, I'm pretty certain they won't. If they win this game, they could be a game out of the playoffs just like they are right now. They could be in the playoffs if some teams lose ahead of them. The Bears are still very much alive. We know, though, Chicago has Carolina's number one pick, could have a number one pick in the draft. Caleb Williams available. Caleb is one of the the generational talents that we've seen at the quarterback position coming out of college. This is a very important game against the Cleveland Browns defense that has been nothing short of unstoppable at home. Miles Garrett, that secondary linebacking core, has been outstanding and and deserves the recognition and the love that they're getting. Also, Joe Flacco, last couple of games, uh, pass ring in the 90s. Uh, in, uh, on average, uh, he's looked comfortable behind a great Browns offensive line, albeit they lost a tackle. Uh, they've been running the football effectively. Amari Cooper's had a good season, as has their other wideouts. I simply think when you look at Cleveland, they have a ro- maybe not a huge roster advantage, but a roster advantage, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit overwhelming for Fields. I'm First of all, I'm pulling for the kid because I don't like the Browns, and I want the Steelers to jump them. But also, too, I, I, I hope the kid gets an opportunity, even if it's not in Chicago, somewhere elsewhere, maybe like in Atlanta or Heck, my Steelers, potentially. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm going to go with the Browns. If I were a bet man, I would take the Browns 26-20 to 20 over the Chicago Bears. So give me give me the three points right there. Uh, or not the three points. Give me them to, the Browns to cover the three-point spread. 26-20 to 20 against the Chicago Bears. Now to a game that was flexed. That was flexed out of Monday Night Football a couple weeks back. And a game that features the game's best quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs, Patriots, Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, and uh, we, we remember that one AFC Championship game matchup. I've seen some of the highlights on my Twitter feed and my Instagram uh, of what that game was uh, just about five seasons ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long ago. And that matchup between Brady and Mahomes. Brady took home uh, the, the AFC title and ultimately his sixth Super Bowl. 
and his final one with the Patriots. The times have changed now. Kansas City not near the dominant offense they were at that time. The Patriots are a shell of themselves. That goes without saying. Belichick, obviously the reports have talked about from Tom Curran that Belichick is probably out after the season. A decision has been made by Bob Kraft and the Patriots front office as a whole, of which Bill Belichick is a part of. Kansas City is a is an eight and a half point favorite in this game. That is a little scary, given that the Patriots have a three day uh, game plan advantage for Kansas City. But listen, the Chiefs have heard about how they're all oh, they're they're crybabies and they're 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 whining about the officials. And to a certain degree, some of that is warranted and true because that was an offsides on Kadarius Tony, and frankly, an obvious offsides. But you talk about a champ a certain way, you talk about a dynasty a certain way. They're going to come out and respond. Uh, I think they're going to go on the road to New England, get a big-time win. They, they're going to miss Isaiah Pacheco, which is, a, you know, they missed him last week against Buffalo, and it showed. But nonetheless, I think the Chiefs are going to get the W over the Patriots, 27-12. to 12. If nothing else for Kansas City, their defense has been very, very good to elite this season. So I will take the Chiefs, 27-12 to 12 over the New England Patriots. So the afternoon games now. And an NFC West matchup, the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Niners are a big road favorite, minus 12. Wow. Minus 12, Niners are favored on the road against Arizona. So here's what I'm looking at. Brock Purdy on a heater right now. Uh, I, I read his stats on Wednesday's show that he is first or second in virtually every deep passing category, which for those of you who don't know, deep passing is 20 yards or more. Uh, I think he has a passer grade of like 99 out of 100. So for those of you who say, oh, he's a, you know, he's a game manager or he's a, you know Cam Newton uh, <laughs> or he's just uh, dinking and dunking, the numbers say otherwise, the tape says otherwise, and the production general says otherwise with Brock Purdy. Debo Samuel's been absolutely outstanding over the last couple of weeks against Philadelphia and against Seattle. George Kittle's been effective as well. Caught a touchdown last week. Look, Arizona's off a bye. If it, as much as this may surprise you, I'm actually going to take the Cardinals to cover here. I'm going to take them in the 12 points. Nonetheless, I'm going to take the 49ers to win this game, 28-17. to 17. I think, listen, divisional familiarity, there's some of that there. Arizona's still playing hard. They have from the jump this season. Uh, I like what I've seen from Kyler Murray. Uh, never been the biggest Kyler fan, but nonetheless, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, but I will take the 49ers to win this game, 28-17. to 17. Uh, But 12 points feels a little, as great as San Francisco is, best roster in the league, just a little excessive. But I'll take the Niners, nonetheless, 28-17. Washington Commanders, Los Angeles Rams from SoFi Stadiums. Rams are favored, minus 6.5. <laughs> I think I might have ruffled some feathers a couple of days ago when on Bryce's best 10, I said the Rams would be the 8th best team in the league. You're like... They're six and seven. They wouldn't even be a playoff team today. And we're going into mid-December. Christmas is in a couple of weeks. And we're in the mix of Hanukkah. And the Rams are, are not a playoff team. And yet they're in your top ten. Yes. Because Matthew Stafford over the last four games has been top five in virtually every offensive category in terms of, of, of touchdown passes, in terms of uh, passer rating. Matthew Stafford's been very, very good. And is quietly having a darn good season. Actually, has comparable numbers to Baker Mayfield in some ways. So Stafford's had a good year. Puka Nakua, according to Pro Football Focus, the highest grade rated wide receiver this season. The defense for the Rams, albeit they struggled last week against the Ravens, uh, still is Aaron Donald, and he's still getting triple teams. So that tells you his impact there. Look, Washington's coming off of a bye. They're in a very, very similar situation as the Chargers were in last night in the sense that now Rivera's a much better coach than Staley. That goes without saying, but listen, Rivera, defense guy, and the defense has been nothing short of awful. I believe the commanders are bottom in the NFL, bottom of the NFL, rather, in terms of points allowed. Uh, this is a Rams offense that against the Ravens defense that was number two in terms of points allowed, put up 30. 
So this Rams offense can score on you. They can score in bad weather, good weather, or in this case, uh, an indoor environment at SoFi Stadium. Uh, I think Sam Howell will have his moments here and there. I kind of actually, I kind of like what the kid brings to the table. But nonetheless, the Rams, I think, will get it done when it's all said and done and have a big-time offensive performance, 38-24. to 24. Give me the Rams to cover minus 6.5 and, and to win this game, 38-24 to 24 over the Washington Commanders and stay right in the mix. And I do believe the Packers are going to lose of that NFC wild card picture. The big one, America's Game of the Week on Fox, the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills from Buffalo. Dallas, I'm sorry, Buffalo, very interesting to me, is a two-point favorite. And I think it's gone up back and forth from two, two and a half. It's kind of hung around that area. So right now, folks in Vegas really like the Bills. Here's a stat, though, I saw from Mina Kimes, who's one of the best in the business. Mina Kimes of ESPN, shout out to her. She put out a stat today, and if you see this as a Bills fan, you are scared to death. If you see this as a Cowboys fan or, like myself, a Dak Prescott fan, you're feeling pretty darn good. The Buffalo Bills, uh, since losing Matt Milano, who we know is kind of their defensive captain, uh, argued the best player on their defense uh, for the season, he's a linebacker, right middle linebacker. This is where the Bills' pass defense ranks in terms of on throws over the middle of the field. 31st in passer rating, 30th in success rate, 26th in EPA. Uh, So Buffalo has really struggled badly in terms of their ability to stop passes over the middle of the field. And that is Dak Prescott's bread and butter. To C.D. Lamb, to Jake Ferguson, Dak Prescott loves going over the middle of the field. This is a matchup between two of the best quarterbacks in all football, Allen or Prescott. A lot of the debate has been, hey, who would you rather take, Dak or Josh Allen? Well, the simple answer is you can't go wrong with either. Uh, Both have incredible strengths. Both have some deficiencies. I personally would take Dak because I think his game is more sustainable uh, than Josh's. While Josh will reach highs that maybe Dak isn't quite capable of reaching from a physical standpoint. I think Dak has been overwhelmingly more consistent. uh, Has worked with less over the vast majority of his career. Now I think Josh needs a a legitimate uh, head coach or at least a a legitimate play caller, which he doesn't really have right now. He has an interim play caller in Joe Brady. I think this will be an entertaining game at points. But again, Buffalo's defense has really struggled as of late. Dallas's offense is rolling probably more than any offense in football, and no quarterback is hotter than Rain Dakota Prescott, who will continue his MVP case as the front runner. Dallas wins this game. Give me Dallas plus two. This is an easy one. Cowboys win 30-21 over the Buffalo Bills. They go on the road to Buffalo. And again, I'm pretty sure the Bengals play on grass. I could be wrong on that, uh, but we know the Cowboys at times have struggled on grass, and they've been up and down on the road. But nonetheless, I will take Dak and the Cowboys to get the W 30-21 to over the Buffalo Bills. And finally, big matchup of the AFC, two divisional leaders. Baltimore Ravens, Jacksonville Jaguars from Jacksonville. Not that far from where I'm at here. Jacksonville Jaguars are a three-and-a-half-point dog on the road to the Ravens, who some argue, many argue, is the best team in the AFC. Some even argue best team in the NFL over a San Francisco, over a Dallas Cowboys. So, Baltimore with a very impressive win last week against a Rams team you guys know I, I think very highly of. At home, their defense, which has been awesome all season long, really struggled throughout the vast majority of the day. But Lamar Jackson does what any great quarterback does, what any superstar quarterback does. He says, you know what? Things aren't going my way. This is why I said Lamar is one of those eight guys in the league I consider blank check guys. I've seen them win when all the circumstances aren't going their way, when the running game is not there, when the defense isn't playing well. Maybe if the coach is having a down Sunday afternoon, they can still win you those games. And that's what Lamar Jackson did against the Rams on Sunday when things were not going his way. Lamar, three touchdown passes, 316 yards through the air, a QBR 0 to 100 up 70, which is very good, well above average. So Lamar was very good in that game. 
I, I, I am about as high on Trevor Lawrence as any human being out there. I think his talent is off the charts. I think his accuracy is good. I love his size. Uh, he played injured last week. Kind of an uneven performance. Three touchdowns, or not uneven, actually very even. But three touchdowns, three picks. Struggled throughout much of the afternoon against a great Cleveland Browns defense. He's not going to get many breaks against this Ravens defense, which is looking to kind of prove itself uh, to be great. But we know this about the Ravens. They tend to have these December struggles at times and we know one thing too about baltimore they have struggled in the fourth quarter of tight ball games so i will take the jaguars to win this one in the upset yes give me jacksonville 27 to 24 over baltimore jaguars win 27 24 uh virtually they'll be up two games because i think houston's gonna lose up and, and indianapolis as well up two games with three games to go jacksonville will have a virtual stranglehold on the AFC South Division, but give me the Jaguars to win this game 27-24 to 24 over the Baltimore Ravens. It will be a very entertaining game on Sunday night football, no question. It'll be a fun NFL Sunday. I'm excited about it. Very excited about it. All right. So we're not live, obviously. The show will air about a couple hours from the time I'm about to end it. But that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on YouTube as well as, I'm sorry, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. We just surpassed 600 subscribers trying to get to 1,000, 1K, 1 grand by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So to those who have subscribed, thank you. Thank you so much. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to the show. And if you haven't subscribed, hey, this takes a couple seconds. Hit that big red subscribe button down there, and you're part of the Carving Up family. It's fun. And just as important, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. The Grid Network, dare to be different, as we say. And we've also got a Grid Network website where my man, my man Patrick Brown writes a bunch of pieces on there. Please go check his stuff out. It's really, really good. Um, he wrote a piece on Draymond Green recently about the about the Steelers. So my man Patrick's been putting I know I know Patrick's watching. Shout out to my guy. Uh, he's putting out some great content. So uh, definitely be sure to check his stuff stuff out. All right. I'll see y'all Monday. Reaction to all things NFL. Maybe we'll have a Draymond Green development. Who knows? Maybe some college football stuff. But uh, it's a great NFL weekend. Very excited about it. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to go see Mickey Mouse. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network.